take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. One of my favorite things about doing the podcast at home now is I get to connect with people around the world. So coming to you straight from the future in Amsterdam, Mr. Liam Moore, host of the Mind and I podcast. How are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, really nice day today. And Irish accent. That's also my favorite. I love it. I'm a big fan of accents because being in Canada, I don't get any. I don't get to experience all of them. So. Don't get exposed to any, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, uh, you know, my mind and I podcast and yourself, your, you know, mental health is, is kind of like your niche and, and something you talk about. Um, I mean, you can just get right into it. Why don't you, um, we share a little bit of your story and how you started getting involved with, you know, talking about mental health and where you are now. Sure. Um, I, I got diagnosed with OCD when I was 26. Um, kind of a year after my mum passed away. Oh. Um, so it was kind of like a hard time. And I had a lot of that year that she died. I had uh, failed a master's degree. A uh, relationship that I was in had ended. I, I lost my part-time job. I had to move back home. So I had a lot going on. And then my mum dying was like icing on cherry on the cake. And wow. real straddled with the camel's back. But um, when I developed OCD, I thought I was... I thought I was losing my mind. I thought I was going schizophrenic or I just, I just thought I was like, breaking down. I just didn't understand what was going on and why I was so obsessed with these thoughts. Um, so it was really scary, really, really scary time. But um, I persisted and tried to get help. Um, and it was a long story short, but when I came back, I was in Canada at the time when it was, when it was really bad. I was in Montreal and I came home and I hadn't slept in three or four days. It was oh, really shit. intense. And when I came home, my dad, I just looked at him, I just burst into tears and I just was saying to him that I was not feeling well. I just, I wasn't thinking straight. So my dad um, kind of just stepped right in and went, right, we're going straight to the doctor. We're going now, get in the car. And he, he I think he saved me in a way, you know? So it took courage, but opening up over time was one of the biggest things that helped me. Mm. Um, and of course, you talk to different people at different times in your life and they hear a different take on the story because that story is keep getting written. Um, but they just tune in at a certain time, if you like. And yeah, I eventually find courage to tell doctors and, and therapists. Um, and yeah, they were like, yeah, this is, this is OCD. This is something you should get to know. <laughs> and one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was from someone who was also um, suffering from OCD. And she said she'd rather be, uh, and then get this right. She would rather be a student of her affliction instead of a sufferer. And I thought, mm. wow, that's really poignant. You know, like she really took to her condition and thought, I want to learn about this. You know, I want to understand why this thing is the way it is and not beat it essentially, but know it, understand it, really get close to it, really understand what's happening, what's going on. And that really resonated with me. That felt really like, wow, this is uh, really powerful stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's like something anyone with mental health, I think once you, you know, especially people who like advocate for it and are willing to share their story, I think that's something we can all really relate to right? that quote um, yeah. that we're all kind yeah. of students of it and learning to live with it and figure out all those different 
ways that work for us. That's a, that's really powerful. Yeah, that's really it. Um, with OCD, I think that's one of the most, I don't know if the word stigmatized mental uh, illness. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's just not really understood, right? Like people use that as a joke a lot that like, sure. oh, my OCD is showing or, or something sure. because there's, there's patterns. How, how, like describe what it's like for you. Like what are some of the things that go through your head or tasks you do or, or anything that shows like that your OCD kind of makes you do? Yeah. My OCD, when it first started, um, it was terrifying because first of all, I didn't know it was OCD, but it was one night in Montreal. I was with uh, my boyfriend and he was out that night, but I was in the, in his home and I was watching TV and it just flashed and crossed my mind. Um, what if I'm a pedophile? <laughs> and it terrified me. It absolutely terrified me because I thought that's a weird thought. And then I started going, why am I thinking that? Oh my God, am I, is this something? Oh my God, what does that mean? And my mind just literally became obsessed. I, I was, I was, I was so focused on it. I couldn't, and this was also, by the way, you know, like those, um, stream of conscious type thoughts that everybody gets, you know, your mind is just wandering on a, on its own trajectory. Um, mind that that's where it popped up. And I just thought, Whoa, you know, that that's how it kind of started. But then I kind of reacted to that thought very anxiously. And of course it started to spiral. Um, it started to really, just terrify me beyond belief, you know. Um, it got so bad when I was I was in Montreal for a month, and this happened on like the first week. So it really put a whole dampener on the whole experience, and I lost weight. I wasn't eating. I did, I couldn't eat. Like I I just was like I felt sick when I was eating. I was so nervous all the time, and I was in a new country with a new person who I just met. Um, I didn't know anybody. I thought I was going to go to prison. You know, I just, yeah. It's like, you know, whenever people say, oh, I'm obsessed with this album or, oh my God, I'm obsessed with Beyonce or, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Like, you don't know what obsession is. <laughs> well, if you have, when you have OCD, you really understand what it's like to have an obsessive mind. Um, so you're like, it was a thought and you became obsessed with a thought. It wasn't necessarily like tasks like having to do something in a certain order um mm -hmm. or you know like yours manifested in just thoughts and then you be you would have that sure it came up like a thought um but what i learned only up until two years ago and i've had this now for like 10 years um up until only a couple of years ago i only learned that i had compulsions and the compulsions i think is what you're saying when you describe tasks yeah so compulsions are the thing that you do to make yourself feel better from the obsession and then that creates the cycle the obsessional compulsive oh, okay. cycle and then it's a disorder when it's you know going at 100 miles an hour right so um yeah my obsessions were mental rumination i would go over and over and over and over and I would check the thought. I'd be like, what was the, like, what was I doing? At the, you know, and it wasn't one time. It wasn't just like one thought and, oh my God, this is it. It was a hundred miles an hour. Like, don't think of a big pink elephant. Don't think of a big pink elephant. You're thinking about a big pink elephant. Mm. You can't help it. You know, you're trying so hard not to think about something. 
I tried to distract myself. I tried to watch TV, play music, sing. I literally danced on my own. I tried to watch my favorite movies. I tried to listen to my favorite songs. I would do anything, but I couldn't get rid of the thoughts. What if I'm a pedophile? Oh my God, don't think about, oh my God, I'm thinking about children. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then when you're out in the street and you see a family or a kid walking by and you're like, don't look at the child, don't look at the child, don't look at the child. And it's scary. It's honestly scary because you know, deep down, you're like, what? Like, this isn't me. Like, where is this coming from? Um, but the compulsions were to sort of go over the thought and analyze it and really kind of go, okay, well, I only seen the child for like a second. That doesn't mean anything. Okay. But what if you looked longer and, and did you, did you mean to look shorter? You know, you start really going to town mm. on this. Um, and that's a part of OCD. What people don't know is yeah. like, um, people think it's just hand washing and being afraid of germs and being neat. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's, that can be a part of it. Legit. That can really be a part of it, but that's not it. All of it. Right. Uh, at yeah, least in my experience. <laughs> that's what I mean. Like it, even me, um, who's had conversations with people about OCD and, you know, in the mental health field, Mm. it's 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 such a misunderstood you know illness that's what i mean like yeah yeah, it's people joking about i'm really organized or like i need to have my piece of paper like at the corner of my desk all the time like yeah yeah yeah. and people use that all the time without understanding like that that whole thought process like that's something really hard for people to comprehend and i mean for you especially with that that thought pattern that you're experiencing like that must be truly terrifying because you know what you're thinking is like that is you know i guess you could say one of like the like the sickest things a human can do right pedophilia yeah, yeah. so for you to be obsessing over that and then trying to seek help and like being like to somebody like oh, yeah. this is the stuff like like good on you for having the courage to do that cuz that like i couldn't imagine how terrifying that experience would have been yeah, it it definitely makes me, it makes anyone with it confront their demons. Yeah. Um, the other thing to know with OCD is that when it happens with the obsession, with the obsessions tend to be about the thing that the person finds the most abhorrent or the most distressing. And for me, that was like a pedophile. I was just like, oh my God, I would never dream in my, mm-hmm. in my wildest dreams. Um, for other people, it can be, I remember going to a support group in London, uh, when I lived there and I met a girl and she, she just was, she was distraught. She was in the throes of what I had experienced when I was in Canada. And she was terrified that she was a man in a woman's body. And she had complete body dysmorphia, obsession, obsessional thinking. And she thought, like the way I did, what if I'm a man? Oh my God, do I want to be a man? What if I get assignment reassignment surgery? And she just was terrified of this. And of course, people would try and talk to her like, oh, but it's okay to be trans. You know, you can be a man, you know, if you feel right, like it, you right. can identify like, so she was getting all this confusing messaging, but she was so upset. And she was, I remember she, the way she kind of grabbed her chest and she's like, I love my breasts. I love my, I love my body. I love being a woman. But she just had these irrational fears of being a man or wanting to be a man. And does that mean that she wants to be, how, how, how certain does she mean when she says that? Or, and this was the way that her mind was going and she was, in, she was in floods of tears. She was really, 
upset and um yeah <laughs> especially yeah in today's climate that that that's a confusing experience right because we yeah. have a lot of you know being trans is a lot more acceptable and, and yeah. people are transitioning and yeah yeah like when does that those things two things cross over like exactly i remember so on a previous episode when i I started learning about ocd i had um sabrina on a a good friend of mine and she was talking about how her was manifested is she'd be like cutting vegetables Mm -hmm. or something for dinner and then she would be like what if i stabbed my boyfriend yeah 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 and then start yeah start like what if i went up to him and and killed him with his knife and like you know it's hard to for someone who doesn't experience it to you know that these thoughts aren't who you are right so that's what i mean by like this terrifying experience of like you know this isn't who you are but by saying it does yeah. it make you who you are like exactly what's the difference of thinking it versus you know actually being that person um, exactly and deciphering it like it's just... so hard because what i just described with that girl was kind of what was going through my mind at the time without knowing it but i thought like Oh my God, am I turning? Is this is this how is this how it starts? Is this how right, somebody does right. something? Is this where it all comes up? Is this how it happens? And that was so terrifying for me because I know deep down, like I do not want to do that. But the thoughts were so frequent and so um, incessant that um, I was genuinely worried. And when I met that girl, like a few years later, um, I also heard from other people in the room, like they were afraid that they were gay. Um, what if I'm gay? What if I'm uh, you know, a guy was like, I, I'm terrified that I might look up some gay porn one day. And it's kind of like, I was sitting there listening, going, it doesn't scare me. Right. You know, if I was straight or about the girl, like I'm not scared if I was a woman in a man's body, but that doesn't, it, it lack, it kind of goes on to the thing that the people find most upsetting to them right. or the thing that they hold most dearly. Like she obviously is very happy and proud to be a woman. So that's how her OCD found a way in. And generally it happens um, like, it, sorry, I don't know, kind of lost the train of thought here. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, um, again, going back to that point I was making, so for that person who was thinking, you know, what if I uh, look yeah. up gay porn or something, you know, saying that out loud, does that make you homophobic? Like, does your mm-hmm. OCD, you know, and like, or like, you know, that girl, is she transphobic? And you're just you're like gaslighting yourself almost, you know, yes, um, that's it. that that's you're it. creating yeah. this new reality and you like, you can't separate it. And, yeah. you know, then you could get into trouble and in other issues by just this mental illness that's manifesting and, and your thoughts. It's yeah. It, right now I'm just sitting here going like, Holy shit. Like how, how can you deal with that? Like that is, that's mm. truly, it's terrifying. Yeah. I think, I think it's so misunderstood that people yeah. who hear it like that kind of go like, wow, okay, this is not what I thought it was. Right. And my experience is just mine. You know, there's other people who have it um, in, in far many different ways. Uh, like I remember reading a book about it once and people can get it with religion, you know, where they can get really mm. terrified about God or their God or Allah or whoever they worship that they're not praying hard enough or they're not, being a good enough let's say christian or like they have to pray in a certain way or order or they'll have certain rituals to 
you know, they're, and they're afraid of also saying the worst thing, like saying blasphemous things. Mm. They're terrified of like, what if God hears me say this? Or what if I think it, does that mean he can, you know, and they can really, it can come up with like blasphemy, um, sexual, violent thoughts. And pedophile is a big one too. The obsessions of harm are also really common. Like you just described with that girl and the knife. I have that. I have a chopping board over here that's marble. And every time I use it and my boyfriend's in my house, I think, what if I take that and smack him over the head with it? What if I, you know, everything looks like a weapon, <laughs> you know, am I, you know, and the other thing is because it comes through on that wavelength, that thought level where, you know, it's just random thoughts that pop in and out of your head. I sometimes have random thoughts like, mm, well, I want some chocolate. I'll go and get some chocolate. You know, and I'm like, that doesn't, you know, but then you start to get scared of it because you think, those thoughts pop up on that wavelength too. Therefore, is this possible? And a lot of what the therapy is like is um, exposure. You have to kind of expose yourself to these thoughts and really try and um, sit with them, uh, almost intentionally trying to think of them so that you teach your brain um, that the anxiety will subside and eventually you normalize it and it becomes less and less scary. Right. Um, um, yeah, cause that's my next question. What's, what's treatment like? Cause I know, so something that I do with my anxiety is I create yeah. these, um, I, I like these scenarios and self-fulfilling prophecies. So <laughs> you'll, we'll, we'll be talking and maybe you'll make a, a weird face and I'll be yeah. like, I'll, I'll notice it. And I'm like, Oh, does Liam not like me? Uh, did I, yeah. did I say something to upset him? And then we'll be talking and then maybe you'll do something else. I'm like, oh, he did that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe he is mad at me. Maybe I did say something. And then I'll ignore everything else. But every time I see you do something, I'll add that to my, my narrative. And right. then I will start building this, this, you know, this, this storyline or this, this pattern in my head with all these different things that you're doing subconsciously. You may not even know you're doing them, but I've already built this whole thing in my head where I'm like, Oh yeah. Liam hates me and he, he's mad at me. And I've you done that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then everything adds to it. I do yeah. that at work a lot. I do that in my relationships mm. a lot. And mm -hmm. with therapy, it's yeah. Like you have to let these thoughts come and then you have to be like, no, Ryan, like, okay, you're thinking this. Let's look at, okay, what are the other things they're doing? Does that add to it? Oh no. Okay. Well, you know, they bought me lunch or they told me they loved me or they did these different things. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, or I just have to confront them and be like, why do you hate me? Mm -hmm, um, and then mm -hmm. they're like, what, what are you talking about? So, you know, that, so that exposure therapy is, is letting them come in and then dealing with them. Yeah. So other than, you know, working those thoughts out, what other things do you like do for, for treatment with, with the OCD? Is there like medication? Mm -hmm. um, you know, lots of people do mindfulness or, or meditation, yeah. smoking pot, like, whatever like i don't know yeah like, you're in amsterdam so who <laughs> i know right yeah like it's just it's on every street corner <laughs> yeah um so like yeah what is like treatment like for for something like what you have yeah uh, treatment is really like it really varies depending on the intensity of the ocd um when i was living in london like four or five years ago um the therapy that i got there was mostly counseling um, and a little bit of CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, 
I did do some ERP, which is exposure and response prevention, which is really big for OCD, really kind of proven method of treating it. And it's basically exposing yourself to the thoughts intentionally, learning to live with the anxiety levels really high, and then eventually they subside. And that teaches your brain. And what I had to do once was, I remember my therapist told me to get a book or a page, a blank book, like a blank jotter or a journal and just write the word pedophile over and over and over again. And I tell you, I got so bored of this and I got so fed up having to do this for like five days. It just didn't scare me anymore. <laughs> do you know, like wow. okay. I could eventually look at it and go, yeah, this, so what? It's a word. <laughs> Whereas prior I would have, I would have like done anything to like run away from the thoughts of like, seeing that word. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's some therapy. Another therapy uh, is like group therapy, like almost sitting in a room full of people. Um, so I live in Amsterdam, um, but I don't speak Dutch all that well. But my OCD was, I think, at its worst last year in the first for the first time since I had got it. Um, I had to go to the, I had to move into the hospital. Um, it got really bad. I needed to like go and stay in a psychiatric hospital. And unfortunately I didn't speak Dutch, so they couldn't do group therapy for me, but I'm also quite a person who likes to roll up their sleeves and make things happen. So I started a support group here in Amsterdam for English speakers or non native Dutch speakers um to get support and next saturday is the first meeting we have so i'm really like excited if you can be excited about something like that but i'm really happy that i still have this part of me that um, i don't want to say refuses to let it beat me because it's not a fight you know it's not a you know, it's kind of like an analogy of people who say they beat cancer. It's it, my mom had cancer and she didn't beat it. Mm. She got better for a short time, but you know, it, it it's not a fight per se. It's just a condition and you have to learn to live with it. And if it's really bad, you'll do your best, but that's all you can do, you know? And that's what I try and tell myself to help myself get through that kind of, um, so that's kind of like self-compassion is a bit of a, a really big part of therapy because right. because of the thoughts they can be so out of your out of out of this world. Um, there can be a lot of shame and guilt and disgust mm-hmm. and fear of what other people think, and that can snowball into you know um, anxiety, paranoia, like maybe well, sure. not in the clinical depression. sense. Yeah, I'm depression. sure depression, suicidal yeah. thoughts because you can't yeah. run away. Like, uh, yeah, I could only imagine. You can't leave. Yeah, the thing, <laughs> like, it, it sounds so awful to say it, but like I was, when I was really bad, I dreamt, well, dreamt, I was like fantasizing over, I'd rather this was cancer because at least mm-hmm. I didn't choose it. And you know, when people say they got cancer, it's like, oh my God, of course, that's so bad. But when people say you have OCD, they're like, oh, get over it. Right. You know, it, there's such a different attitude with mental health. People think when you're depressed, you're, you just can't get out of bed or you're sad or mm-hmm. X, Y, Z, or when you have anxiety, you just can't deal with certain things. But 
it's so much more than that. It's it, people I think need to learn to listen to what the other person says. And I think that is almost a little bit of therapy as well. When you talk to people like what I'm doing today, I, I was kind of contemplating whether or not I should go into the detail, but um, I thought, why not? Like, mm. if this is what it is. Yeah. And if I don't speak up about it, people will continue to think something else until I say, no, actually, this is what a part of it is like. And that is a little bit of therapy for me. Yeah. Saying it, speaking it, not yeah. letting it fester. And, you know. Yeah, I get that too. That's um, yeah. a big reason why like I, I share pretty intimate details of my life. Like I don't share everything, but like when I share sure. on social media or I do an interview or, or write a, a piece or something, but it is very therapeutic to, even though some of the, the thoughts aren't, you know, what people want to read or want to hear, just talking about them out loud and, and just like freeing myself from that weight. I don't know mm -hmm. if you get the same thing, but like you just, once you say it out loud, it's like, it, it's still a big deal, but it's less of a big deal. Cause you're, like, it's just kind of like, it's not just in your head anymore. Now it's out there yeah. and you're just like, oh, okay. Whew. But I get why, it, you know, it's scarier for you because again, once it, it's so misunderstood and when, you know, you have a subject that you're thinking about, that's pretty heavy, you know, it's, it can easily be taken out of context, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. really easy for people to just focus on the point that you're like, they, they miss the whole part, but then they just hear the part that says like, I'm thinking about pedophilia. And then, yeah. you know, people can miss the whole OCD part, right? So like you're putting yeah. yourself out there in a, a totally different way because you're thinking about something that's heavily scrutinized and, and um, very, you know, I don't even, you know, it's just a very yeah. horrible thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to, to put it out there publicly, I get it. Like it, 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 it opens you up to a, a whole lot of different areas um, than just normal mental health, like normal mental health, but like other illnesses. Know, yeah. Something that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Cause I think whenever people hear that somebody has psychosis or manic depressive disorder or schizophrenia, like those are, you know, those are really bad mental illnesses to have. Um, I think a lot of people not, I have to be careful how I say this. Like, I think people can be more understanding of the, those illnesses because you don't choose that, you know, you don't choose to be psychotic. You don't choose to be a manic depressive, but I also didn't choose to have these thoughts. I didn't mm -hmm. choose to have OCD. I didn't wake up one day and think, you know, what would be really good today is to really worry about a subject that I really don't like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? And I, I only, thankfully, and I think this is because I try and be honest and speak up about it. I only ever met really one person who doubted me, who really kind of was like, at least made it clear that they were concerned about me was a right. doctor because back when this was all kicking off, I had, um, I had went to t 10 doctors, I think in total because I just wasn't convinced that this was OCD. I just was sure, like, what if this is something else? What if, I, how can I be sure? And that's the point with OCD. It's like a big doubt, a big doubting disease. Um, but I remember one doctor, when I told him, he just kind of looked at me and kind of stopped and just sort of went, and what do you, you know, 
So you have those thoughts and do you, do you choose to think about, do you think about them, you know, and he just, I just remember his demeanor and he kind of changed in that conversation. And I just thought, Oh my God, this man thinks I'm a pedophile. This man is like, right. gonna, you know, he, he's going to ring the police. I'm going to be arrested, you know, and that's the part that's like, um, yeah, the, the, the subject matter, just to go back to what you said, people, understandably get a little bit caught up with the subject matter yeah but the therapists um say that it really doesn't matter what the therapist what you're thinking because your reaction to that thought is what's causing you this difficulty because you're reacting to those thoughts with your compulsions and your anxiety that's what's making this condition worse you could be worried about anything you could be terrified of oh the hardest one I think of OCD um, must be people who have, I can't remember how it's pronounced, but it's a type of OCD where you obsess about bodily functions. So you'll be, you'll focus on blinking or swallowing or breathing like these things that you don't really think about, but you just do naturally with OCD. Sometimes you can get obsessed with these functions. Like you'll have to blink a certain way or if you blink too hard, you'll be obsessed with it. I just think, oh my God, that must be exhausting yeah. for all day long to be kind of worrying about these, not even worrying, but just being so focused on some one thing. Being aware <laughs> that you're blinking, yeah. Yeah, being so hyper aware. And that's almost like why I laugh when I sometimes get told, you should try mindfulness. I'm like, bitch, I, I, mindful, I am mindful all day long of my thoughts. <laughs> like I don't need any more mindfulness in my life. Yeah. I am so mindful of what's going through my head. Like, you know, like. That's a good point. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I'm over it. I'm over mindfulness. It doesn't. Yeah. I, I don't want to think about anything anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, um, What is the mental health kind of, you know, community like in, in, in the UK and in, in the Netherlands, like, you know, in, in Canada, and um, the states to a lesser degree, what I find is people say they care. Um, you know, we have a day called Ballots Talk Day where a company raises some money from it and you'll hear a lot of people mm. support it and they don't really talk about it the rest of the year. And the other thing they do is they care about it until it contradicts something that they, they believe or care about, right? Okay. So okay. Uh, an example I often give is, you know, people care about mental health of men until... You know, you start talking about, um, you know, rape culture or, or sexual, sure. right? And then they'll be like, fuck all men, all men should yeah, die, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. then they don't care anymore because there's a cause that they care about more than mental health, right? They, you don't balance it out. So that's kind of what we have in North America a lot. Um, the, everything's always kind of competing with each other um, yeah. for, for the stage of what we're talking about. Yeah. What's it like, like stigma wise? Like, is it a very open conversation? in those two countries that you've lived in, is it, you know, still pretty, you know, hush, hush, um, you know, what, what's kind of like the climate? Yeah. Um, I think it's reasonably open. I, I think, you know, I'm not exactly, I haven't lived long, but I, I, I would be kind of saying the right thing with like the dialogue is getting better. I yeah. can, I, I would be kind of certain and saying it gets better every year. Um, like people being a bit more open, people being not casual, but just more open about what's going on with them. 
Um, I'm really lucky that I work for, I work for booking.com and I'm really lucky that um, the company takes real effort in the mental health and mental well-being of their staff and mm -hmm. mental health care here in the Netherlands is, is pretty good so far. I, you know, everybody's different. Everybody has a different experience. Mm -hmm. I've been really lucky. Um, maybe I haven't been lucky. Maybe I've just gotten the, the normal response from therapists or from the healthcare system right. in the UK. Um, it was slightly different. I think in the UK because they have with the NHS and it's kind of like free healthcare quote, mm -hmm. quote, um, I think doctors are more, there's, there's more paperwork or more that you're just a number, you know, you have to come in, you have five minutes, go talk about it. Oh, wow. uh, okay. Okay. And then here's a, here's a medication, you know, that it's, it can be a little rushed. Whereas here I find I've been within a doctor's office. I've been in a doctor's office for like 20 minutes or 25, 30 minutes. And I've never had that before. So I think, but that's also because the Netherlands, you have to pay for your insurance here. You have to pay for your healthcare. I think oh, having really? come oh, from wow. both, yeah, coming from both worlds, I've seen it differently. Um, but I, I think culturally, I think the Dutch are more, uh, they're a more liberal, progressive people than in the UK. Well, with Brexit for a start, um, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. You know, that's just, it's silly to say, like anecdotally, you know, Brexit means you're not. But there's a certain attitude in the UK and in Ireland where it's like, hush, hush. Um, and right. here in the Netherlands, I think the attitude is just say it like it is. And mm -hmm. That's nice. You yeah. Know? Yeah. In Canada, we have like we have a large movement of speaking out and, and people talking yeah. about it. But the issue that we have is so we we have like um, free healthcare. So like when you go to see a doctor, it's, ah, yeah. it's free. Mm -hmm. um, and you get a little more than five minutes, but it is still kind of like, okay, here's your problems. Here's your medication. Like be on your way. Yeah. 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 Now, but we, and then, but we have to pay privately for, for therapy. Um, mm -hmm. Like if you go see counseling, um, mm -hmm. a, a lot of it, you know, you get benefits and stuff from your employer or whatever. We do have free counseling, but the wait list, excuse me, are so long. And that's where we yeah. run into our big issue is now lots of people are talking about it. Everyone's like, okay, yep. Um, you know, I have anxiety, I have depression, uh, all these different things and they want help. And then it becomes really hard to get that help exactly. and, the, and then get that continued help. Yeah. So, you know, in, in Canada, most employers give you probably about $500 worth of covered um, mental health. Mm -hmm. Um, but a therapy session is like anywhere from a hundred to $150 in, in Canadian wow. dollars. So wow. you get three sessions now, mm. you know, for someone, you, you know, who, who needs more help than that, like sure. it can be very challenging to, to continue to get that help when it's fairly expensive, you know? Yeah. Um, so we have this, this whole thing where now people know they need help and they have a real issue getting it. So yeah, um, that's it, really common. I think the word over, I think that seems to be like waiting lists for yeah. these things. It's almost like, you know, everybody has problems. <laughs> Therefore the demand is greater than the supply and it's unfortunate. Yeah. Like, I, I would love to hear like in, you know, a year's time, five years time, 10 years time that it keeps getting better. Um, I can't say in my 
10 year experience with being in and out of therapy that it's gotten better. It's sort of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if the therapy has gotten any better, like in terms of the practices, I think that's all pretty standard. Um, at least, but like, I know the conversations have been, have been getting better. Like I said, until yeah. you start competing. Um, yeah. But that's why yeah. I think, you know, someone like you or myself or numerous amount of people I've had on this podcast, or we're just openly sharing our, our stories and, you know, the things that we go through and the challenges and and being open. I think, you know, that gives a lot of help to people because there's a a big thing where just knowing that you're not alone in your thoughts can, it doesn't fix anything, but it can make it better. You know, it's kind of like that thought, like, I don't like using the word crazy, but like thinking to yourself like, Oh, okay. I'm not crazy for thinking these things. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Because it's normal to have that thought. Like, Oh my God, am I crazy? You know, it's almost like black and white thinking, which I learned I can do sometimes, you know, when you think it's either A or B and that's it. There's no C or middle between A and B. Right. I remember I reading, it was really cool. um, The band Skunk and Nancy, um, the lead singer Skin, she was interviewed in some newspaper uh, a while back. And she said, it's really sad in how like today's world, everything is so us versus them. Everything's so Republican versus Democrat. It's so conservative versus um, labor, uh, black and white. It's, it's, people have forgotten that there's subtlety and nuance mm-hmm. and variety and different shades of color or different shades of one color. She said, you know, for her to be like the first black woman in Glastonbury, headlining and she has really progressive attitudes in her life but she also has some conservative attitudes she said she's like she doesn't really think drugs are all that cool or i'm paraphrasing by the way but like she said along those lines like you know she wouldn't do certain drugs um and that can be slightly conservative and for her to be who she is a really kind of outgoing like kind of yeah, just have a slightly different attitude in public. It's sort of like, yeah, people need to remember that it's a dialogue, you know, just because yeah, you have one condition doesn't mean you're the, the only condition like that. And meeting other people who have OCD is a big help, you know, to kind of yeah. go back on what you were saying about therapy wise, sitting in a room full of other people listening to what they're going through. It's like AA, you know, it really can become a, a really powerful tool right and healing yeah yeah it's uh i think everyone always for, yeah forgets that we as humans are incredibly complex with like a mixture of not only our genetics but our parents and our lived experience right like yeah yeah and yeah. it goes both ways like it goes for you know all the conversations right now about being anti-racist right like yeah absolutely but like then it also goes the other way like you know people are just we're all brought up and we have all these just just combinations of chemicals going on that makes us so different and unique and in different ways. And for us to all fit in these certain vertical categories that Mm. some, some people want to like place people in and like you, you look, you look like this. So you are this, or you do this. So you are this. And like, you have to fall under all these different things and if you're not you're like you're a bad person or xyz you know it yeah 
I know, like, for that reason, like, something like Twitter, like, it is such a detriment to my mental health. Oof. Like, I have yeah. to be on it for, for work and for my podcast and for promoting sure. my brand and all these different things. But do you not like to, it? Yeah, or... I've had to go to therapy literally just because of Twitter. Really? Yeah. How come? I, so I would get obsessed. So, you know, when we talk, so the reason why it was the big one was like the, when the Me Too, Me Too movement was going on, mm-hmm. it's still going on and we're still having those conversations. But when it was- During the height of it. Yeah, yeah during the height of it, um, you know, all the people talking about, you know, if you're a man, you're a rapist. If you're, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. all men should die. Like white men are, are terrible. Like all these different things. And then you'd get the, the people that like, oh, well, if you think me saying this is bad, um, then you probably are guilty. Like that, mm-hmm. type, that, that, that mm-hmm. conversation. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I was taking it very personally. Um, I was like, yeah. you know, like, no, I'm not bad because I'm a man. Like, you know, like having this internal struggle with you're telling people that it's not okay to like attack based on how they were born and stuff they have no control over yet. That is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just funny and I, and I get part of that conversation, but I was just taking it incredibly personally. And then it was yeah. starting to manifest in the rest of my life. Like that's thing that those are things that like, that's all yeah. I would talk about. I would sit down and have Absolutely. coffee with somebody or I'd bump into them at work and I'd be like, Oh, did you see this tweet? Like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right. And then until one day my ex-girlfriend kind of was like, why are you so obsessed with this? Really? And like, that just like snapped me. I was like, Oh my God. Like I am really obsessed with this. And I was like, okay. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, uh, I probably need some help um, to yeah. deal with this because what I'm doing is definitely not healthy. So like mm-hmm. that, like that mm-hmm. whole, that whole process sent, like it put me back in therapy for like the first time since I was 21. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That must've been hard. Like, yeah. It's back. weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's starting to talk, like it's starting to manifest a little bit now with a lot of, you know, like, if you're, if you're white, you're racist, like all those types of conversations Sure, sure. for whatever reason, I just take it incredibly personally. So, you know, I just, I try to stay off as much as I can um, and not engage in those conversations and, and, but like do the work and deal with it and and understand it on my own. Cause I also think that's important. Yeah. You have to go at your own pace. You know, you go at your own speed. I don't think there's anybody that would say it's wrong for you to, open up Twitter all day long and just learn and learn, learn, you know, there's only so much you can take on board. You're a human being that has lots of facets in your life. Yeah. And just one of them is learning and education and you, you can't, you know, Twitter, like God, it's the harbinger of so many things, but maybe it's good for other things. Yeah. I also think exactly. like the internet in general, the, the, um, I don't know. I can get very philosophical about all this kind of stuff. Get as sometimes, philosophical as you want. Philosophical, yeah. <laughs> like, well, sometimes I think like with internet and with books, you know, if you really go back maybe to like caveman times, I don't know, like you weren't exposed to all this kind of stuff, you know? Right. And it's not so long ago that we weren't hunter gatherers. I often think we have progressed too quickly to keep up and we are not meant to be exposed to other people's stream of consciousness on Twitter or, you know, maybe in book form is less intense, but it's like, there's so much information. There's so much happening that you can't keep up. 
you're you're not meant to you know your mind isn't meant to follow along with every single thing and it feels like sometimes with these things you're supposed to keep up with every single thing and how could you not know about this and you know did you not read her tweet (laughs) you know like no i'm sorry i was making tea (laughs) you know like i was doing something else (laughs) right i i can't be um i I can't keep along that with that same pace well i think also because it happens at my work like there's a lot of fast thinking people in my job and i have to keep up and i'm not a fast thinker Mm. i'm a little bit you know i can be i can be quick thinking but i need to slow down more i need to take it in and digest it that's my pace and that's how i roll you know yeah well i think i actually think a lot of people are more like you you know where they have to take it in and the problem with twitter is you don't and that goes Mm. that goes for like everyone across the political spectrum like i'm not talking about anyone specifically but like you know you see a headline and you're just like oh what the like like i'm so mad and then you didn't even read the article and then like you go back and then you're like oh oh shit like right i just got caught by the headline or you know you see a story come out, uh, whether it's, you know, someone getting canceled or someone said something on, on Twitter without thinking and, and did a dumb tweet or something. Right. But then like everyone just like you get in this giant pile on and then it's trending. And then, you know, like not a lot of people are, are stepping back and just being like, okay, like I read it. Let me think about it first. Yep. What's going yep, on yep, here? Yep. What is, what's the context? What, what happened? what you know one thing that i always think about i'm like what if whatever that person said you know what if it's a manifestation of ocd you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. maybe they tweeted something because you know they're thinking something and it has to do with their mental illness and now you just made it 10 times worse like was the tweet right like i'm not referencing any tweet specifically but sure sure but you know what if they just did something dumb because whatever they just said something you know we don't know the circumstances of everybody's life or everybody's yes. current state of mind on why they did something. And so I don't know. I just, I'm a believer there needs to be lenience and, and understanding and a little bit more, you know, stepping back instead of just jumping right in at people. Because yeah. I, I think what you said is right that we as humans, like we don't have the mental capacity or responsibility to deal with the amount of information that we're receiving and a lot of it's bad information um you know we now we're dealing with people like everybody's opinions which is in one sense i i find fascinating like i love i love that everyone has a voice now and that's when now we're getting movements with um you know you know i just learned about uh juneteenth or juneteenth yesterday you know i never heard about that before yeah yeah you know so now voices are being heard and i love that yeah. But with that, you know, you get the good, but you also get the bad. And how do yeah. you start to decipher what's the good information and what's the bad information? Is it because it got 800,000 retweets? Does that make it good? Is that now what we deem accept- acceptable as a society? Mm. Or is it, you know, just 800,000 people agree with a really bad thought? Well, <laughs> look at Trump's Twitter oh account, <laughs> you know, like not to open that kind of worms, but like, yeah, 20, th- well, I don't know how many people it is. I don't even look at it, but like 200,000 people retweeted it or loved it or favorited it, whatever it is on Twitter. It's like, yeah, do 200,000 people, are they stupid or, or Am I stupid? it's funny? Cause yeah, it's like right and wrong is a very, like it can get really complicated. Um, it depends who you're talking to, you know, depends on the context, depends 
But um, it's funny, you were saying something about Twitter and I read the other day, I think it's Twitter or Facebook, one of the two, um, they have a new tool that when you retweet a headline, it asks you, did you read this first? Did you open that link? Oh, good. So that people don't just jump on. And you know, another thing I've always thought about this is like, I think it's like an adrenaline rush, you know? People love adrenaline that this atmosphere creates. I remember once talking to my friend years ago, he loves um, like horror computer games. Um, He loves like Silent Hill and Resident Evil and all these ones. And I don't, I don't like being scared. I don't like surprises. (laughs) You know, I don't like loud noises, like kind of taking me off guard. But um, the reason he loves horror and horror games is because it's an adrenaline. Once you get to like a safe area or, you know, you save the game or you complete it or whatever, you know, the horror is over and you're safe and you survived. It's that rush, you know, of, of adrenaline that you get. And I sometimes think that with Twitter, especially and Facebook and these other platforms to a degree, they create this like rush, you know, like whenever the coronavirus was just kicking off and, um, you know, in March and it was getting really like more global and more pandemic by the, by the day, it's a bad analogy to give, but it was kind of like Christmas day at my work. Everyone was like looking at the news and people were like, you know, everyone was like, Oh my God, this thing is coming, this thing. Oh my God. I like, what do we do? And of course at work, there's conversations about, um, working from home and closing the offices and the city getting closed. And it was, everyone was kind of like excited quote, quote, mm-hmm. like it's not the right word, but there was this buzz Yeah, and people were following the headlines and Oh my God, the death counts. And it was, it was an adrenaline rush because yeah, you're yeah. human and adrenaline and like, <laughs> well that night, what was it? March 15th. Well, I guess it would have been the next day in Amsterdam, but when, yeah. you know, um, Tom Hanks was diagnosed with the coronavirus right. and then those NBA players. And then everyone started showing yeah. like that, that night when everything truly was going, I remember going through Twitter, like just refreshing and being like, <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. This is the next thing. Like retweet, like sending yeah. screenshots to, to people being like, Holy yeah, fuck. Yeah. Like, right. Like it kind of goes to the, the sense like of like, if the world was ending, like, this is what yeah, we would, it would do. suck, but <laughs> it would be really exciting. Like you would be like, <laughs> freaking like okay what's next like you know and yeah yeah like not one of us are gonna lie like how good would it feel getting like eight hundred thousand retweets on a thought that i shared <laughs> like me walking around being like yeah look at this bitch like i got eight hundred like you know like you're walking around like you are king of the king or queen of the world um yeah and i think that's what we all chase that you know yeah you know, I know I, sometimes I'm guilty. I'm like, oh, how many likes did my picture on Instagram get? I'm like, sure. Oh, only 25? Man, I suck. What? <laughs> like, yeah. And now I got 100. I'm like, oh, yeah, great. People love me. It's, yeah. It's, it's a total. weird thing that we chase. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a drug. It's a drug. It's addictive. It's, it, um, I don't think we're meant for it. Like, I wish yeah. it never, uh, to a degree, I wish it never happened. Um, I tried to go on Twitter. I tried to be on Twitter back in the day. And I just, I was kind of like what you were saying, the being exposed to um, sort of things I don't agree with or challenging or people who were like, not, not like bullying, but just like really opinionated people that I was like, I can't, you know what? I can't, I can't be surrounded by this. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I'm meant to hear your thoughts and you seem to love to like broadcast your thoughts. Like, <laughs> um, yeah yeah no it uh it is it's a powerful it's a powerful Powerful. drug but at the same time 
you know, we never would have connected if it, if it wasn't for the internet, sure. you don't, you know, sure. I've, I've met fantastic people over the internet and, you know, I've been exposed to some really good ideas and really good, um, things that I have brought into my life to better my life, um, mm-hmm. whether that's the people or their ideas. So it's this, this huge trading off of, you know, one minute it's terrible, one minute it's amazing. And where do you find the balance? And it's really yeah. hard, especially yeah. for me. And I know other people struggle who like have to like do social media as part of their job. Um, yeah. Whether that's you have to be up to date on current trends or current conversations, like you, like you have to seek that out yeah. and, and be involved and know what people are saying. Yeah. Um, I know I've talked to people who run social media accounts. Like it is a f- like fucking awful job because one part you're creating great content and it's amazing but at the same time like people are in your dms like fucking just telling you to kill yourself and and yep trashing you and trashing people whether it's on a sports team or in your organization and you're just like like you i don't i always laugh uh for people who who never have ran a brand account but the private messages we get unreal absolutely unreal yeah like like, what like like people what what people say like you know especially like as news organizations and stuff like it's it's misogynistic it's sexist it's racist it's xenophobic it's you know every worst thing you could be in this world you're getting that shit in in brand dms it's you know it's you see what people say publicly it's like 10 times worse if not more privately yeah it's that thing of just as simple as hiding behind a screen. Like I definitely don't think in the real world, people would not behave this way because just, just to walk up to somebody in the street and go, you're an F and B and all this crap, you know, like you're like, you know, you just don't do that and you don't do it. So why do we do it online? It's that that feeling of being safe and not needing to confront and dissociation, right? Like, yeah, totally. I can't see how it makes you feel like if I were to, you know, God forbid, like make like a, a homophobic slur to you or something like yeah. on the internet, I wouldn't be able to see your action. But like, if I said it to you right now and I yep. saw your face drop and you know, yep. maybe you started to cry or something, like, you know, like <laughs> there's a real dehumanizing um, factor when it comes to not being able to communicate face to face or, or yeah. seeing someone's visceral reaction to something that you say. Exactly. Um, and it, it's so, not meant to it's not meant to be this way you know it's not meant to be <laughs> words on a screen and and they're going back and forth exactly. and it's like anything it's like any tool any system any anything is, is has good things and bad things about yeah. it you know and this is what we get we yeah. have the great thing like connecting with strangers and we have the bad thing which is strangers shouting at each other <laughs> yeah and it's for me it's what's going to be the lasting impact of this where are we going to be you know, in 10, 20, 25, 30 years, not um, only with where we're at in this technology, but w- what's the mental health implications? What's the imp- implications sure. on our health yeah. um, going to be as we move forward? Like there's already studies. We already know children are more depressed and suicide yeah. rates are up, especially in, in young girls based yeah, on, yeah. on, you know, Instagram likes and all that type of stuff. Um, you know, people with bullying, I remember listening to an, an interview um, with someone, they were talking about being bullied in, in the seventies or eighties and how bad it was, but when they could, you know, they had to drop out of school, it was so bad, but when they got home, 
the bullying stopped until the next day. So at least there was that break. But now yes. with, with the internet, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't escape it. People are, are, are attacking you on social media. Kids are creating fake accounts. They're sending pictures to each other, right? Like now you don't get a break from bullying. So, you know, it, kids are becoming depressed at, you know, 10, 11. Like I've yeah, seen reports of like nine-year-olds right. trying to commit suicide. I'm like, oh my God. Holy shit. Like, that's that's yeah when, like that's when I wrong started, so yeah like mm. i started getting panic attacks at 14 and then my depression really kind of kicked off when i was 16 and that was right. bad enough but when yeah. i was 9 10 like i was fucking outside playing i didn't playing. know any of this yeah shit. yeah there was, were... was nothing mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. i was just being a kid and now like kids can't even be kids and it, like yeah. so where are we going to be in the future and to me that like that's the most concerning part of it and that's why we have so much work to do now to get this mental health system right and fixed for everybody. Um, so like in, you know, when people are growing up, like absolutely miserable, like it's going to put an even bigger strain on the system. Yeah. And, and it's only going to get more and more populated and more, like there's going to be more and more demand. It's kind of like what I said earlier of the supply yeah. and demand. And I, I think we should be, <laughs> you know, encouraging more people to be therapists <laughs> in healthcare or, or in general, like we should really be, there should really be role models for this type of, of um, direction. Where do you think it'll go? Where, where would you, you know, if you could wave a wand or something, where, where would you love to see the internet go? What, what could you, mm. what would you do? I would much rather having like something like Twitter, for example, I'd rather they split it into two. So you have one that's kind of like a more fr- family friendly where, uh-huh. you know, things are, are more censored for people who want them that way, you know, um, the converse, the topics aren't as heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it goes back to, oh, I saw a great tweet. It was from Neil Strauss and it was when social media started, it was a reflection of life, um, of real life. Now social media yeah. is a, per- or is a, performance real life is a performance for social media i was like holy shit it's so true right like now everything we do is a is a performance for social media that like right like people are are planning pictures for their content they're okay like they have a thought and they're like oh i gotta tweet that like that type of thing whereas before we're just taking pictures of our food and posting it yeah yeah, exactly and so like having something that's structured a little bit more that way yeah but then having you know, a Twitter that's more, that that's like a free for all. And if that's what you want to take part in, fine. Here's this thing. Yeah. But like, let's not, let's not cross the two because there's lots of people who don't want that. Right. But yeah. they don't want to talk about the heavy subjects that are being talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's the Twitter you want, and you have a choice, you can engage in both if you want, but keep them separate. So if you don't yeah. want to, you can keep it that way. Yeah. Um, something like, you know, Instagram, I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know. And especially when it comes to children. Um, I do, yeah. You know, I'd love to see the, I don't know, the business aspect taken out of it in a way, or again, splitting it in two, having it business and a little bit more of a free for all versus, you know, just kind of structuring it that if, if people want to be protected or if they want to have just more lighthearted content like just having the having an option 
um, mm. instead of just having it as one and then and just having yeah. a mixing and a melting pot of ideas and and thoughts and and all these different things like you know not yeah. everyone is cut out for that um, as much as we would love it that everyone had the mental capacity and strength to engage in all these heavy subjects and topics exactly not everyone can like you said like right sometimes you just need to slow down and sometimes yeah. you just you know you have a lot going on in your life like imagine you know taking back to what you said that that year when you were 26 when literally every possible horrible thing could happen mm. in someone's life happened mm. to you yeah and you know it's it's a, a miracle that you were able to carry on just just dealing with all that shit but what yeah. if then i had to tell you hey liam i know you're having a rough time right now and that's putting it very very mildly but mm -hmm. you know i need you to get on twitter and you need to engage in all these really important topics because your yeah. silence is complicity you're like you yeah, know you can't yeah. remain silent <laughs> and you're just you know, right? We need to take that into consideration. consideration. So giving that yeah. option, you're like, you know what? I'm so fucked up right now. I just want to post a picture of this really nice pizza I had. Yeah, exactly. Or a sunset like, that looks nice or yeah, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I just I think I need that that option needs to be available to people and not feel guilty for that. Um, you know my, the, my theory is that I think we're in the teenage years of the internet. Because mm. it's kind of like we had the childhood when it was more innocent. Mm -hmm. We had, um, well, we had the very early one, which was just very simple, like a baby. And, um, and then we grew into like a child years and we had a bit more interesting sort of things happening. Like we had uh, instant messenger, MSN, you know, all these, like, it was more of an innocent time, you know? And I think with the rise of the algorithms, especially algorithms. I really, really firmly believe that Facebook changing things on newsfeed and Twitter changing their timeline into Instagram. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. And Instagram, nobody's doing chronology anymore. Everyone's doing, um, what's it called? Like a curated newsfeed. Yeah. And I think that's the big one because that became the clickbait and that became the cycle of adrenaline that we all rush on and, I think these are the teenage years because mm. I think it'll mature, but how, what mature is, I don't know. Um, it's kind of like saying, how, what will that child grow up to be one day? I don't know. Right. <laughs> but I think it'll grow up yeah. to some degree or another. I really like that analogy. That's yeah. yeah that, that really, and we're all sort of rebellious right now and we're right, that's, against yeah. the establishment and, uh -huh. you know, it, it kind of, yeah, I agree. I think some things will, will normalize. Um, I always just, I refer to like, we're kind of on a, a pendulum in life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you take the UK, for example, you know, the, the pendulum kind of swung really to the right with, with yep. Brexit and the big conservative movement. Um, where we're going more in the States and, and Canada is where we're swinging really far left right now, which I don't mm -hmm. have a problem with because now the conversation of, of racism and of sexism uh, and sexual harassment, like all those conversations are, are happening now, which is great because we absolutely need to fix all that. Um, I think the big thing is they're happening all at once and we're talking about a lot of things at once and all these things that yeah. need to change because so many things need to change. Yeah. So we're just, you know, we're, we're really far and, you know, people are angry and very passionate about it as they should be, absolutely. But it'll, it'll swing 
eventually it'll swing back where it becomes a new normal because we'll, we've had those really heated arguments and conversations and, and things have moved in, in a better direction for some people. So, yeah, you know, it, it'll swing back to a little bit more, you know, a, a better world for both. I, like, hopefully that, that's my yeah. hope. Um, but yeah, right now just people are angry where, you know, we were all locked down. Um, especially North America. Uh, it's a strange time for this yeah. to be like, it's one thing to have rightly. So the black lives matter movement, it's another to like, think, Oh, and it has to happen during a pandemic. Yeah. It's like, what kind of like, like, you know, where does that come from? Like, what, like it's so, it's such it's a lottery. The perfect storm really. Right. Yeah. I've, you know, I've had, I've never shied away away from conversations of race on this podcast. Cause I think it's important to talk about. And, you know, what I've learned and what I've started to, to say is the conversations that we seem to have come out of nowhere and have, you know, that are happening now, these are not new conversations. These mm-hmm. have been going on since, you know, slavery, since mm. the civil rights movement, like this hasn't changed. Now we're not relying on, you know, white media, to, corporate media to give mm-hmm. us this information. Now we can hear it all. Now we can, people. Yeah. yeah, we can see it all. So for a lot of people, it seems like it's out of nowhere or it's all happening at once. And like, I get it. It's like m- mental health, right? Like it's mm-hmm. the exact same premise where we've been talking about it all along. People have been trying to get people's attention. It's now just, it's yeah. just, it's, it's reached the point where no one's listened for so long. And, and you combine that with everyone being pent up, you know, dealing with the stresses mm. of the pandemic, losing their jobs, you know, people dying, we're all stressed, we're all anxious, we're all depressed. And then you have that one thing that happened, you have George Floyd, and that is captured on camera. And you have the explosion. And so it really was a it it just, it was the kindling to like make the explosion go off or the gasoline was already on the fire. Someone just needed to light the match. Exactly. Someone needed to pop the balloon. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, and we're already seeing change, which is great. So that's, I don't have a a problem with it. I mean, I attended the the Black Lives Matter March in Ottawa, which was a lot smaller than everywhere else, but um, I have no problem with it. But just, yeah, a lot of people think that this is all new and it, it, it's not, it's, it's always been a thing. So, you know, yeah, but yeah, the voices came out of the, out of the internet. The power of the internet has been a good thing in one respect for this because, yeah, we were kind of talking about it in a bad way, but yeah, in a positive way, these this, these movements couldn't have happened without it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it was really... That's why I think it's important. And, and just now going back, now there's just a lot of information that we have to take in, right? Now we're learning a lot of yeah. different terms. And, you know, and again, a lot of things to our fault that we were not listening to um, yeah. and not yeah. hearing. Um, now we're listening. So we're just, we're seeing a lot of it more. And again, it's yeah. just not new. It's we've just changed coming. the channel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like we've changed the channel on the TV. We're just watching something that was like, oh, I've never seen that before. Oh gosh, this is shit. This is this yeah. is a drama. This isn't um, a comedy. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Right uh, now, yeah. we're we're on PBS and we're watching the documentary, being like, oh shit, okay, yeah, yeah, here we yeah. go. Yeah. Um, before you go, tell me about the podcast, uh, my mind and I. How long have you been doing that, uh, and what's it about? Yeah, it's been, um, gosh, I started it last year and it was a little bit of like, 
there was a couple things. I wanted to connect with people like on a more, well, what's the word? I wanted to kind of get more deep and meaningful in some conversations that I have. Like I have friends, but I have friends who are like, you know, you have parties with this, this person or this group and you have this person for this kind of a thing and that's all fine. Um, but some, some, sometimes I miss having more deep conversations mm. and I thought I'm also quite an advocate about mental health. I'm, you know, I talk about my own experiences. I've tried to advocate, advocate for it when I lived in London. Um, I worked with a charity when I was over there, like temporarily on the side and it just crossed my mind one day. I heard a podcast that I really like and I love the format of it where it was more about the person speaking or the interviewee and less about the interviewer. So the interviewer would edit themselves out. And I thought, wow, that's oh, really wow. cool. So that can sound like just a kind of a story that somebody's talking about. And the thing with mental health is the what can be really what can be really helpful if you or somebody out there know someone with a mental health problem, the best thing you can do is just listen you know, you don't have to tell them like, oh, that's really bad or God, this is really, really tough. You can just listen. And I think, I hope that with my format that it creates a forced listening experience so that the other, the people listening to each episode get to listen to a speaker talk about their experience Mm -hmm. unfiltered in a way. And it's just them talking and I edit myself out so that it's less about me and more about them. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's been, it's just, it's, uh, I'm only on the, uh, like the fifth episode, the sixth episode. So it's very new. It's yeah. a very new thing to me, but, uh, so far it's been really good. The people who've been on it have said it's been really cathartic for them. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, Hey, this is great. You know, I haven't had any listeners tell me this, this yet. So it's nice to know that the speakers are finding it, um, really helpful for them. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. the grind of, uh, yeah, podcasting, tracking down guests, sure. doing the interview, balancing it with everything else in your life. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a process and yeah, especially people like once you first get into it and you don't really under know what you're doing or yeah, and, and like really just, you know, like the amount of times I have people emailing me to want to get on, but they don't like, they don't really have anything or yeah. Um, yeah, track, trying to get people on and just getting ghosted and you're like, ah, oh, shit. Okay. Like, ah, right. <laughs> right. Like yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a whole new different beast, but I, I agree with you just again, getting to know people and, and connecting nice. and having deep and meaningful conversations that, yeah, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I find it very therapeutic as well. Just, uh, yeah. just doing it and, and meeting it. It's good for the soul. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, yeah. um, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, this has been, this yeah. has been a lot of fun and, and really eye opening, especially with the, the OCD. Um, if people want to listen to the podcast, follow you on social media, where, where can they find all that stuff? Uh, yeah, they can find me on Instagram at my mind and I underscore podcast. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on all the good, um, podcast players, Spotify, Apple music, all that kind of stuff. Awesome. Liam yeah. Moore straight from Amsterdam. Good evening to you as I embark on my afternoon. (laughs) Yes. Um, Thanks, man. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thanks. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. 
and I show you how deep the rabbit